You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Randy. In the future, water will come out of the tap carbonated. This is Melanie. And in the future, the uh, older music will lose its copyright and music will be awesome again. And this is Jesse. In the future, the IRS will use puppets to perform audits in an effort to make it less frightening process. But will ultimately make the whole thing feel even more demeaning when Elmo wants to see your receipts from the past five years. We're going to jump into the poll list. Yeah. Since we have Melanie here at the moment. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know how this will be edited, so she might disappear for long periods of time and come back at different points in the episode. It's like, it's like, um, unpredictable time travel. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Which really sums up all time travel. Yeah. It's kind of true. <laughs> um, before we do that, real quick, I'll just say right now, and this is probably because of me. Uh, but I tried to get other people to vote. Right now, the poll list pick for next month, the leader is, uh, Batman year, uh, Batman zero year. And that's different oh, from me. Batman year zero? No, it's, well, it's, it's zero year. Because, wait, right? Yeah. Is because, it? yeah, because they wanted to change it up because it. I have zero idea. <laughs> <laughs> because, I- what? Who? I have zero clue why it's called that. I, my, what it's called, or my theory is it was to separate it even further from Batman Year One. Oh, so they didn't. But don't just, worry, guys. We'll, we'll we'll zero in on this before next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. So that's what we'll be talking about most likely in uh in month one from now. In month one? Yeah, since we're just going to switch them all around. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. However, this month we read... Dot now. Dot now. Pull list dot, dot now. Dot now. Swagger. <laughs> I love that swag is still a thing. Okay. Uh, we read... Uh, Saga, Volume 1, as in uh, the little Volume 1, not the massive book one that Jesse had. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I think this is more than I'm supposed to read. I'm glad you I'm glad you messaged me about it before you got past. I mean, you, of course, you could have read past it, but I'm glad you didn't, like, read the whole thing and be like, so, uh, we're talking about all these issues, right? Mm. Yeah. Well, and I did go, uh, I think I'm into, I'm into Chapter 7. Yeah. Yeah, I started into chapter seven. I was like, I think I need to stop soon. <laughs> so, yeah. So volume one covers issues one through six of Saga, which is published by Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn, and illustrated by, uh, hold on. I was not totally prepared. Where's my... You're pretty good, though. Do I not have Google Keep on this phone? It is uh, Fiona Staples, there if we that's go. what's correct on the... 
spine of this massive tome. <laughs> That's a nice looking hardcover. It's like oversized and yeah. There was a Amazon deal uh, around the holidays where you could get any one book for like forty percent off or something, and I was like, "That looks incredible! I get that." And then I had no no cause to like read it until now. <laughs> I had re- we picked up we picked up volume one of the trade paperback uh, some time ago. Um. And I had read, like, half of it, so the first three issues, and then put it down for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. But Melanie is totally caught up on the entire series. Yeah, I'm great. She's, so she's... So this will be really confusing for her. I, I believe she reread it. <laughs> I did. I re- actually, I kind of... Okay, I reread it. I did entirely reread it, but I thought last Sunday we were doing it. I thought that was this Sunday, you know? So I, like, really quick, like, crunched it. And then, uh, I was like, uh, so then when he's like, oh no, we're doing that next Sunday. I was like, oh sweet. Then I can actually take my time and like actually read it. So she was prepared Ah, for this last weekend. Uh, Well, I'm much, I'm better prepared this weekend, but yeah. So yeah. Um, where, where should we start on this guys? Start the beginning. At the beginning. (laughs) 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 So this whole thing is like a a flashback kind of, right? Because it's narrated by the little girl. Yeah, yeah, I think that was. We should do like a synopsis. How how do you do a synopsis? Because it is like, as I as I understand it, because I'm only in book one. It it is all like the story of this little girl's life as told by her via flashback. Which, not knowing where the story goes, um, I thought was interesting narrative. I guess mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, we we mentioned the last episode, the last regular episode. It's definitely a sci-fi fantasy story. Yeah. Which I really liked. Yeah, me too. They do yeah. it really well. Uh-huh. Because you've got you've got the sci-fi, there's, you know, sci-fi technology and interplanetary war and but you've also got, you know, different races of you've got horned humanoids that and, do spells. That do spells and then you've got robots with guns and or kind of, and go- ghosts and uh Ghosts. Like tr- trees that can turn into spaceships or yeah, or dude, space- rocket ship forest. That's like the perfect blending of sci-fi and uh-huh. fantasy, right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty wild. A summary would basically the basic setup is uh, soldiers from both sides of these two warring armies uh, get together, this couple, and have a baby, which is also kind of a cross. Are they races or different species? I'm not entirely certain. I mean, I... But it's a winged person and a horned person. Well, they come from, like, one of, like, there's the planet and the moon are at war, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it seems like they don't, they decided it's no good to fight on their homeland. Yeah, because if either one gets destroyed, then the other is screwed. Uh Uh-huh. So they're like, we're going to outsource our war to all these other little crap planets and let let it be fought there and let them take the Uh damage. Yes, which is which is very interesting and also really crappy. Mm-hmm. It's really. kind of it's kind of like Star Wars though too, if you think about it. Because mm-hmm. I don't think much of the battle happens on Coruscant in Star Wars. We don't see it on Coruscant. Mm-hmm. The only time we see Coruscant in the original uh, trilogy is when uh, they contact the Emperor. Mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So Star Wars and Saga, same thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's and there's Wait, bounty hunters at all. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, it does have that um, space opera, big space war thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but also with swords and magic. Yeah, and ghost. yeah, and a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Reading this and thinking about what we we're going to talk about. It's, it's, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, um, it's very adult. Yeah. And my favorite lines in the book aren't mm-hmm. anything I could say on this podcast. Yeah, me too. Yeah, they'd be totally grolixed, of uh, course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But even, the, you open the first page, and, oh, yeah. and just what she says, uh, <laughs> as she's, like, yeah. and you don't know that she's, like, that first page is just a close-up of, what's her name, is it, what's her name? Alana. Thank you, Alana. Okay, yeah. Um, you don't. She's in birth, or she's giving birth, and you don't realize she's. In, <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a drink when you said that. She's in birth. <laughs> she's in birth. She's birthing. She's birthing. Um, and you don't realize that because it's a close up of her of her face. Um, and the thing she says, and that's how the book kicks off. Yeah. And then you realize she's she's uh, in the middle of giving birth, and so that kind of makes more sense. But. Mm-hmm. Well, even the cover of the book, and I don't know if that's the cover of the volume, but it's basically breastfeeding. Yep. That's the cover <laughs> of know. the trade paperback. And so I was like, right off the bat, I was like, okay, uh, I'm digging this this uh, compilation. It's a uh, pretty progressive vibe right off the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and to touch on, like, the, the language, like I was saying, you know, some of my favorite lines are they're very dirty. It is. It's got a lot of strong language, and it's explicit but it's also like very real like it's not yeah. necessarily just to be shocking mm-hmm. it's it yeah. seems like that first thing that she like i was saying she says at the be- on the first page mm-hmm. it's very seems very real uh yeah i know plenty of women who have given birth and they have said basically that exact same thing yeah um so you know it's it doesn't shy away from being dirty but it's real at the same time yes yeah, really i like oh. here Oh, I feel like there is a certain level of shock value in the introductions, though. <laughs> like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about the different characters and how they're all introduced, and, and a good percentage of them are kind of, like, really shocking and uh, unusual ways to introduce that, the character. Like, like Prince, Prince Robot the Fourth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Time we see him. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. At the very end of the volume, we, we meet some key characters that I pretty much spoiled for Randy. That's, all right. That's okay. He he did. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. um, no. yeah. I guess there is like, uh, particularly with like sex, there is some stuff that is just kind of explicit to be explicit. I guess it doesn't have to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's interesting. Well, it's, yeah, but they put it in there. I think in a uh, an entertaining way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, no, not, I, not like it's gratuitous or anything. It's yeah. just like like oh. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, because I mean, they're in, like with the. I'm thinking of the robot one, the Prince robot. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, the fourth. Uh, so they're you know, it's not just them having intercourse. It's also showing the whole like this, you know, the screen image thing, mm-hmm. and and brings up the whole you know he's scarred by war and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it it's shock value, but it it also shows you that the robots are basically look their bodies are just like humans. It's very strange to me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Like they have human regular was it physiology mm. or whatever. Um And yet 
Can he, like, turn his arm into a gun? He did at one point, yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah, so they're not, like, I don't, yeah. I, I don't know the whole story on them yet, but, well, yeah. I, I don't know that they ever, I mean, I don't know that they ever really get into it. Get into it. Mm-hmm. Although, I'll say, and um, this might be slightly spoilage, I wonder uh, about their screen sizes sometimes. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that a twenty-two inch? Is that a? <laughs> uh, if they're, they're walking around with a twelve-inch screen all day or twenty-two, because that'd get really heavy. Is that cathode ray tube? Because it looks like cathode ray tube. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I did want to mention. Also, is the screen how they use his screen? Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting like. A tool to like show exactly what's going through his mind, mm-hmm. but th- at the same time, it's not just a, a writing tool. It also like other characters can see it, uh-huh. and, right? And it creates an awkward. At least once, it creates an awkward situation in this in this book where yeah, um, that lady soldier I can't remember uh, her name offhand that is accompanying him, mm-hmm. Prince Robot sees sees it. Yeah. And, uh, it, yeah, kind of an awkward moment. Right. Yeah, well, I would imagine if if your thoughts just flash On your face, people, literally. Um, <laughs> it would create quite a few awkward moments. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like blushing, like, like when you, when your poker face cracks, is that's the only time we ever see anything flash is like mm-hmm. when he, du- when he can't collect himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like... It's not yeah. it's not all the time, but it's yeah. When he cracks up a bit. Yeah. Or like that one point where it seems he overreacts in a situation towards mm-hmm. the end. Yeah. And you see the flash of like a baby rattle. Yeah. And so that gives you like, you know, you know what's going on in his head at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And how, how that situation is affecting him. Yeah. I really enjoy the writing. Yeah, me too. I I really I I like all of the characters. They're like, even like the yeah. bad guys are are cool. I like them all, and the good guys are not like too good. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I like all of the characters. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. It's not like uh, black and white for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just stereotyped characters for the most part. They all have different shades, mm-hmm. um, and even like the uh, spider lady. Yeah. I at first, you know, she's if you know, if you're along the ri- for the if you're along for the ride with the couple, she's a villain. Mm-hmm. But then at one point you're kind of yeah. like, "Oh man." Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. And the other bounty hunter, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, him too. He has the humanizing moment or two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was yeah. They went they go hardcore too. Uh-huh. The art is really nice too. Mm-hmm. And super consistent. Mm-hmm. This book's won uh, several awards. I, didn't, well, I the, knew it was popular. I didn't know how much stuff. Though. Those big... Oh, I can't remember them offhand, and I think they've even come up in the past. Like the Hugo? Is it... Yeah, the big... It's a Hugo winner, isn't it? I think it has to be. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. It wins uh, some major award almost every year, it seems like. Yeah. And anytime somebody talks about, like, you know, great ongoing series current great ongoing series um saga usually gets brought up mm-hmm. it's generally well well received yeah and i believe a, a pretty big seller for image 
I would imagine so. Oh yeah, yeah. It's one of the. It's, it's definitely. It's got to be up there with Walking Dead, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's got to be one of their tops right now. Mm-hmm. Anymore, it's hard to call Image indie, but like Walking Dead and Saga, I think those definitely challenge um, like Batman numbers and stuff like that. The DC mm-hmm. Marvel numbers for sure. Yeah, but yeah, oh, it's won some Eisners too. It it, it won uh, a Hugo in 2013, and then it won. Uh, Eisner in 2013 and 2014. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for looking that up. I meant to do it earlier. I just didn't. I didn't get a chance. I feel like it's got a lot of um, like social commentary that I should pick up on, but I don't because I'm just like, oh, it's just a good story. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know. Sure. It like seems I'm like too stupid oh, for it. Right. <laughs> there's like there's more going on under the surface that you're just not picking up, but it, you know, yeah. you know it's there. You're just not sure what it is. Yeah. Sure, that makes sense. I, I think any good story does that, though. You know, like it doesn't hit, have to hit you over the head with it. It just gives it to you. A fantastic world building right off the bat. Mm-hmm. It gives you a good sense without going into like huge passages or anything. It gives you a good sense of the world that they're existing in and the effects of the war and all that. Mm-hmm. And using and like you mentioned, um, the daughters kind of narrating this using that is an interesting uh uh narrative device particularly this early on from the point of view of you like you don't know if most of the time if 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 her parents are going to get out of this or where they're going to end up mm-hmm. um so that's kind of interesting right. and also i think at times they use it slightly misleadingly oh yeah they do so all right i mean you have future knowledge i have future knowledge and in the future. Well, at the point that I'm at, she's probably, like, a toddler. Oh, okay. Let's say. Okay. Um, okay. And she's still, you know, narrating it. And they still do that all the time. You know, they'll be like, and that was the day that whatever happened. But then it's not, like, the, the devastating thing that they act like it was going to be. It's, like, some stupid thing. Little hooks. Yeah. You use it for little hooks and cliffhangers and then just be like, hey, you know. Put yeah. I'm like, oh, no, what happened? Oh, God, I got to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It does, it does keep you, I'm like, it's really good about, like, making you want to read on. Mm-hmm. Does classic, you know, yeah, comic yeah. book little kind of cliffhangers at the end of each chapter or issue. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but it's like, real quick establishes characters that were interesting to me. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, I wasn't just trying to spoil stuff. The Part of the reason that I brought up that, at this point in where, in the story so far, She's like a toddler because she's the narrator. So I wonder if they are like planning this out until she's an adult at the end. And then like at the end, we meet the her that's saying all this. Cause if so, that's freaking right. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it'll take a really long time to get there. When I was curious, I was curious if they just did like a huge time jump and all of a sudden she's adult or Not yet. If, if this, okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> They're up there in numbers too. How many issues? <laughs> well, it's been going for like three. Three or so years now. So she's probably about the same age as how long the comics been been out. Okay, interesting. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about if they're going to do a big time jump too, but I kind of like that so far. At least they haven't. Oh yeah, well they use that too often in comics anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad to hear that it isn't that way. <laughs> I like the setup of the horrors. <laughs> yeah. The horrors in the woods and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was really good. Kind of a red herring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I like that quite a bit. Just trying to think of other things I enjoyed about it. 
Was there anything we didn't enjoy about it, though? <laughs> yes. The creepy leg face ladies. Oh. God, that weirds oh. me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I think they were supposed to be, though. I mean, like, yeah. They're, yeah, that was disturbing. You're those, right. Those chicks are all legs. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, and I... And ridiculous eyes and teeth. That that creeper that she's he got legs. She's got legs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's got legs. Yeah, and that definitely made that place like right off. It's bizarre. Uh huh. Like, ew, this place is wrong just because <laughs> those ladies walk out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all legs and a big head. <laughs> and then that whole that whole scene with Lion Cat, where it's just like, well, since you're going back to the ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love Lion Cat too. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Such a great cat character. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they use them. They use it so well. Mm-hmm. And you know, if cats had superpowers, that'd totally be like one of the ones that they had. Uh huh. Yep. Just to yeah. be like, yeah, right. Just to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be like lying. You're like, <laughs> <you're> lying. <laughs> Little things about the characters, like that guy, that bounty hunter, I, this not the stock. That was the Spider Woman. The Will. Mm-hmm. And also that the bounty yeah. hunters like have the as part of their name. Yeah, I enjoy that. But little character touches where he gets in a little tight spot and he's always like think, think, think. Mm-hmm. You know, just little things like that. Yeah, I got to get going. Okay. So, what are your final thoughts on Saga, Melanie? Um, I think it's awesome, and I shall continue to read it. I know. Not long ago, you were like, reading a newer issue, and you're like, "Why aren't you reading this?" Yeah. Yeah, because it's really good. It's good. But I'm like that with several comics, actually, with you. That's true. Walking Dead. Ugh, baby, you know how hard it is not to spoil st- stuff for you? I know. You you almost do. <laughs> I know. Particularly when we watch the, <laughs> when we watch the show, you're like, oh, are you going to read the comic? I want to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when stuff does happen, I'm like, that was what I wanted to tell you that one time, except it wasn't him. It was this person and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? I will be re- reading Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. They changed that a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Saga's great. Everyone should read it. And you guys have a good podcast. Hopefully I'll be back before it's over and can join again and have fun with your old Batman. (laughs) Yes. Old Batman. Old Batman. (laughs) Okay. All right. I actually, like, oddly enough, didn't have as much to say about Saga as I thought. It's just one of those that's, that's, it's really good. And. Yeah, it's really, it's solid. It doesn't feel like it flubs ever. Yeah, you know, like even the things you know, like we said, uh, or Melanie said, you know, w- what is something you didn't like about it? Uh, I didn't like that because it was uncomfortable. The the creepy head girls mm-hmm. on the sex planet, um, but at the same time, like that was really well done because I think it was meant to be creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sets up that mood. It's like man. It's just pitch perfect. I think the writing is just really well done. They, I think they must um, really think this out. The one question I, I that's probably would have been best for Mel is uh, I wonder how good they are at staying on schedule with something that's as tightly written as this is. Are you talking the release schedule or keeping the story on track? Yeah, like release schedule because like uh, Ultimate Spider-Man is really was really well written. And they would hit these spurts where 
you know, Bendis writing everything for Marvel for a while there, uh-huh. uh, it would, you know, like you wouldn't have Ultimate Spider-Man for a month or two. It seems like it's they've been pretty consistent with it. Um, I couldn't say for sure if they've had delays or not, but um, doing the like the new release lists and also keeping an eye on that for Melanie because she you know likes to keep on top of that's one of the series she's after after me to track down for. Her. Um, it seems like they're pretty consistent with being on schedule, which is yeah, like as tight as the writing is, and also Brian K. Vaughn. It's not like he's not working on other things. The, He's one of those guys. Oh, sure. He's a name. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like they're pretty consistent, I think. I, you know, I kind of pull for Image. You know, like, I like I like Image. Uh, their whole, the story of their beginnings and all that. And so, like, they kind of had that skyrocket to to notoriety. And then all of a sudden, they, they kind of hit a, you know, they hit as, as high as they could. And that seemed like they just really plummeted for a while. But they've kind of stayed as an industry standard, not as big as the big two, but there they've been there and they've they've got staying power. And I would say, which is good. I would say, I mean, the numbers might the numbers probably wouldn't agree with me, but I would say they're right up there with the big two in terms of like, like I mentioned, it's hard to call them India anymore because, um, I mean, even if technically that's the correct term, because, uh. They get just about as much uh, coverage and press, and um, sometimes more acclaim than than a lot of the books that the big two are doing. Um, and it seems like sure. it seems like when people talk about how, um, in terms of quality of story, that it seems like we've kind of got like not new golden age, but you know what I mean. Like there's like it's a good time to be a comic mm-hmm. book reader. Um, a lot of times oh, yeah. it's, it's image books that get mentioned is for like just top notch stories. Um, and they really do have a lot of good books that, uh, get, uh, good acclaim coming out for the past couple of years. Right. Oh, well, it's the most recently humble bundle, uh, did another image. Mm-hmm. Uh, humble bundle, and it was like, ah, there's another one I need, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I which I don't. Uh, speaking of which, uh, we we did the whole Archie af- afterlife with Archie. Mm-hmm. Right now, humble bundle is doing uh, Archie nice. as their humble bundle, so you can get afterlife if you're interested in a in a whole lot of Archie comics. Then it's probably a good way to go. Otherwise, you could probably save some money and just get afterlife with Archie. Oh man, that is some, I have not continued on after Life with Archie yet. Kind of been waiting. They've only released two, uh, I think two issues. So, um, I read the first one. I read, uh, issue seven mm-hmm. and it was awesome. And I have issue eight and I'm just waiting, you know, like I just need to get around to it. But I also kind of got to that point where I was like, no, I want to wait until they release the whole thing and read it as a volume, mm-hmm. just like I did the first volume, because that was kind of a rad way to read it. And that reminds me, talking about Image and Indie Comics a moment ago, it seems like Image and some of the uh, some of the smaller pub- uh, publishers, I'm not sure what kind of monthly numbers they do on their on their single issues, but they clean up on trades. It seems like a lot of readers of that kind of stuff trade weight. Um, sure. So sure. I know those trades do really well. Oh, I guess the one last thing, I mean, this is kind of dragging on the saga thing. The one last thing I wanted to mention, um, 
the humor. Like, I mean, it's obvious, I think, from how we were talking about it that there's a lot of humor, but there is a lot of humor in it, and it is genuinely pretty funny at times. Oh, yeah, yeah. The funny bits are funny. You know, the scary bits are, are scary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and sometimes they play they play off of those two elements pretty brilliantly because, like you said, the setup for the horrors, uh, you're genuinely afraid of them because you don't know what's going to happen. And then you see, like, you get a reveal, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then you just roll with it. And it does a really good job of that, where once you understand the world a little bit better, then you just press forward with it. What can you say? I, I would recommend it too. And I haven't, I'm not, you know, I've only just barely gone beyond volume one, but I think it's probably something I, I need to read more of because it leaves you with a pretty good cliffhanger at the end of volume one. <laughs> well, like I said, I had read through the first half of it before and like, I'm not sure why I put it down and just didn't pick it back up. Um, mm-hmm. But this time around I picked it, I started over, I uh, restarted at the beginning and, um, read through it and then by uh maybe for me the hooks really come in on that last half but by the end of it I was totally into it and I kind of had to stop myself from reading on just because then I I was worried I'd confuse later stuff with what we we're supposed to actually be reviewing but uh sure yeah and that was the other reason I stopped too it's like oh if I keep going I'm going to talk about stuff that we didn't read <laughs> yeah so Let's talk about uh, some recent events and such. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. We could go on and on and on about some of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could. Um, Should we talk about the elephant in the room first? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I, I'm assuming that's Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I assume. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I assume so, too, but I was going to wait and see what you said. <laughs> Wait, what's that elephant, Keeper? <laughs> yeah, the elephant that we all know what it is. Uh, what is that thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, they've been they've they've been uh, teasing. You know, DC and Marvel have both mm-hmm. been teasing their their really mysterious, huge summer events. I think I think summer, right? Uh, or is it going to be a year long event? No, I think it's just summer. I'm, I'm not sh- actually. I'm not sure what Marvel's exact plans are. But I know DC's is um, April and March. Oh. So I guess that's early. Okay, so pretty... But then again, it's kind well, of the same with Marvel. Who knows what um, the books are going to be like after the event? Sure. Well, and it, it's kind of smart to do it more March and April because then you have um, free comic book day in May. And okay. so if you're going to re, if you're going to launch new things, it's nice to have some free comic book day exclusive, like, Hey, here it is preview type material for that free day. Mm-hmm. Ooh, actually, I think I'm wrong. It wasn't, it's not March and April for DC. It's April and, uh, whatever comes after. I got, I got <laughs> whatever comes April, after. <laughs> April and May. Okay. Okay. April so and May. You fools, you fools, DC. <laughs> you fools. Um, <laughs> March and April was perfect. Fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah, yeah. God, it's so weird. They're both doing very similar things at the same time. I'm so suspicious. Okay, so going back, yeah, yeah. 
We'll get into your conspiracy theory later here. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> first, we gotta explain why 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 you think this might happen, suspicious and you might be things. right. Who who knows? It's suspicious. Uh, Marvel's big thing has been Secret War, and they've been kind. Of, it feels like they've been talking about Secret War forever. Mm-hmm. Like they were gonna do it before, and then they didn't do it, and now it's happening. And it, they dropped the bomb that they are going to dissolve. Like, everybody's kind of assumed that the Marvel Ultimate Universe is going away. Yeah. Because they've been really stripping back the number of titles that they've had. And they've been... And, and every time you think that it's gone, it's like they've pimped it leaving three times. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, it's going to end. It's going to end. It's going to end. It's like they've rebooted it three times without rebooting it. Um. So the, everyone kind of assumed that is what was going to happen. But what we've just found out with the, with, you know, several, several notable sites have re- released and, and they kind of, I think they did it like a press event for this where they announced that they're basically going to have Secret War establish a new reality. So the new reality going forward will not be Marvel 616, which is what we know of as core Marvel mm-hmm. continuity. And it will not be ultimate. It'll be neither one. It'll be some third thing. And so my brain immediately went, okay, so they're going to do Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. 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 Essentially, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> at first, it, at first, it sounded like a new 52 because mm-hmm. that's the most recent thing that we all know of. You know, it's like, oh, they're just going to do new 52. Well, then I was like, no, this sounds more like crisis on infinite earths and it really does without maybe the the cosmic stuff there's probably been more released about it um since i read this but the wording sounded like um they were basically going to take bits and pieces from the main marvel universe and ultimate universe and whatever else and mesh it together and that's the new universe right that's how it sounded and then after i thought Crisis on Infinite Earths, I thought, oh, that's why they're killing Wolverine and Deadpool, because they could just bring him right back. Well, how weird is it? Okay, it is cheesy to kill off Wolverine and then do this, and exactly, they can bring him right back. But how weird is it to make a big deal about killing off Deadpool, like, literally right before they reboot everything? Like, it almost invalidates uh, the hype around killing Deadpool. Right, especially since we know that, I mean, yes, he's gone on and killed everything, including the Marvel Universe, but we know that there's alternate Deadpools, mm-hmm. so they they can easily just pull in an alternate Deadpool. And, of course, you know, anytime they kill any major character, you know eventually they'll be back. It's right. Just, it's just weird to, I mean, I guess comic book sales are comic book sales, and when it comes down to it, there's... Those kind of events are all about, you know, pulling in some new readers and bigger numbers, but it just seems weird to make such a big deal about the death of these characters right before they launch this big event that seems to invalidate the importance of all that. When they've done it across the board, look at all the things that they've done. Uh, they did the, they've got the female Thor right now. Mm -hmm. They've got, uh, uh, the Falcon as Captain America, you've got the Superior Iron Man. Uh, oh yeah, good call. You've you've got you know you have all of these things that have happened, and uh, you get invested in them, 
you go like first you're skeptical. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Superior Spider-Man. It's like well, I'm skeptical of this that this is even a good idea that Peter Parker's essence has essentially died and now it's uh you know Doc Ock driving Peter Parker's body. I mean, like that's a tough sell right off the bat. But after a couple of months of really solid writing, you get on board and then you start to realize what a brilliant book it actually is. And then Peter Parker's back. Uh-huh. And that I feel like that's what's happening right now. It's like uh, the Falcon might be doing really incredible things with the Captain America mantle, and it won't matter because uh, they're going to do what they're going to do here in a couple of months. Quit playing games with my heart, Marvel. Well, and Marvel is not... <laughs> Obviously, like, Marvel's not immune to the whole comic book uh, cliche of, you know, eventually everything will go back to the status quo, you know. Oh, yeah, they're almost more, you know, they're almost more guilty of it than anyone. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way you you can't keep uh, a universe, you know, their, they can't keep their narrative going for decades like they have without kind of playing that game. It's yeah, just, that's true. It's just weird because, you know, DC did the whole reboot, the new 52 reboot, and Marvel's like, nope, we're never going to do that. But, yeah. And I guess technically, how they, depending how they play this, they're not doing a hard, hard reset, but it's still kind of the same thing. They're, they're melding the multiverse, which is crisis. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's interesting because I, and I could be wrong. But it seems like they're going in opposite directions a little bit. Like, it feels like Marvel is doing a uh, house cleaning event, which will m- merge all the stuff that they have kind of as dangling. You know, it's like the, the brand has gotten too big. So now we've got to pull it all in, yeah. make it more cohesive. And then uh, DC, on the other hand, is finding out that the last time they did that, it was kind of, uh, you know, like, we really like that. We don't want you to get rid of that. And so now we've got, uh, we've got some titles coming up with convergence that are going to be directly and ex- exclusively things from pre flashpoint mm-hmm. and for, and pre new 52. So last night I went through, um, DC publishes their like solicits for, you know, whatever month. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm usually a couple days behind because I forget to check their, their site for it. But last night I went through and I posted their most recent, uh, solicits, which is for the first month of this big convergence thing for, uh, April. And how they had it laid out is there's the main, um, miniseries, convergence miniseries, which is weekly. So the first four issues in, April and then four more issues to follow. And then looking through their solicits, they had it separated by week one, two, three, and four. And all the week one books were, which each title is basically a, a number, uh, issue one of two for the series, you know, uh-huh. um, all their week one books, uh, their descriptions start with, uh, featuring the heroes of pre flashpoint DCU. And the week two were featuring the heroes of Zero Hour, and then three and four were featuring heroes of uh Zero Hour. Yeah. I'm, oh, that's way back. That's a huge throwback, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And then the t- it seemed like uh weeks three and four were Crisis on Infinite Earth stuff. 
oh man, now I'm going back to zero hour. And yeah, that's way back. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like way, way back, not like eighties way back, but like nineties or early two thousands way back. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, oh, wow. I, I was kind of surprised by that. Because that's when they, isn't that when they kind of rebooted uh, Superboy? Like, Superboy dies in Zero Hour, I think. Yeah, I think so. Well, is that when they did the whole, like, him punching through the walls of reality thing? And, or maybe, maybe... See, I'm, try, I'm trying to figure that out. That it, Okay, no, Super Superboy essentially sacrifices himself at the end of Infinite Crisis, I think it is. Oh, okay. And, uh... What I'm thinking of, Zero Hour was even further back. It's like right after Superman's death and return. Like the Superboy uh, ongoing series is like happening at this time, but I don't think that they're more than like a year, like a year in. I remember reading it at the same time I was reading uh, Rob, the ongoing Robin title, mm-hmm. which was Tim Drake at the time. And, uh, and then Superboy, cause I was into all those, you know, post death of Superman titles mm-hmm. that DC was doing. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I had to, I had to calibrate what zero hour was and, uh, I'm surprised they're going there. That's interesting. So for the most part, like convergence, I think we've talked about it here on before, on here before. And if you're following comics news at all, you already know they've talked, they've been talking about that already for a while. Um, but man, the setup is awful similar to uh, Secret Wars. Yeah, or even another Crisis without calling it Crisis because people are getting tired of hearing about Final Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earth. Well, I keep hearing mentions of like oh, Blood Moon or something like that, where I don't remember who was talking to me about that, but um, they thought that you know the next crisis type event would be called blood moon. And I guess there's been ties to this whole event with the blood huh. Moon title somehow. I don't know how, um, I'm pulling in the, uh, super supernatural stuff again, or I don't know, I'm not sure, but I know. Okay. So it seems like they've taken, Oh, it's so crazy. Okay. So they've taken the convergence thing is whoever, I think Brainiac, perhaps I'm not sure has taken and basically domed a bunch of cities from different realities um, or different universes, and then you know, of course, pitting different different uh, versions of heroes against each other, and then Secret Wars. Oh, is, that was, doesn't sound familiar at all. I know, right? <laughs> and then Secret Wars is almost exactly the same thing, right? Like they're he's taking. Yeah, well, it's basically they they send them to. Uh, well, the original Secret Wars was that they're all like put on a different plane or world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Basically the same thing. Uh, it, it's uh, called Battle World. Yeah. And then um, the way that Secret Wars will end is whoever survives Battle World will populate the new reality. That's what Secret Wars is, is Battle World. Battle World, I don't yeah. know what they're calling. The, I don't know what they're calling the DC thing. Uh, the uh, the DC is just, you know, yeah, I'm not sure what the, I mean, the event obviously is Convergence, but I'm not sure what. Uh, beyond that, um, they'll call it Bumper World, where they're all in bumper cars, and if this multiverse bumps against that multiverse, uh, shenanigans. I like it. 
I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the bumper verse. Well, now, I don't know how Marvel's been leading up to this, but like DC with their convergence thing, um, it really seems, and they have not said that they're ending the new 52 universe, but it really seems like they've been leaning towards an end of the new 52 universe because they started oh no well they what? they well i could i'm probably wrong this is this is starting to crack this is starting to uh uh bump into my uh crackpot theory a little bit but they started all those no. weekly books the world's end books um they did that month where all the yeah. titles had their 5 years later type uh futures end thing where it was supposedly a glimpse into 5 years with the batman books they started batman eternal which has been really good but it's basically like a weekly book to like, in a way, pump out the story, you know, real quick. And the story's been good, but it's just uh-huh. like a lot of like his, a lot of like, uh, stuff happening fairly quickly. Um, they've pretty much ruined Earth 2, but. It's like the Cimmerillion of the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just. Cimmerillion you. It just seems like they're, it was like kind of going along and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, Anything you guys wanted to do in this world, just you need to hurry up and do it, or we need to wrap toward wrap it up or something. It's like the writers' room uh, storyline. <laughs> like, all right, writers, uh, we had a lot of good ideas. Uh, you better use them. You better use them because things are changing. Wolverine's coming over. No, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I know that. Okay, I have that theory. I can't actually envision it happening. My con, my idea, and I'm sure I'm not the only one to have this idea, is that convergence and this big Marvel thing, where they basically both companies are essentially breaking up all their alternate universes and then meshing them together. You know, what if, what if, you know, what if all the universes got meshed together? Um, but I, I don't really see so, it so happening. Th- so, he, so what Randy's saying is that Disney's going to buy Warner Brothers. <laughs> well, and I guess that would make it problematic because, yeah, I it that just seems like, from a business standpoint, way too big of a merger to still be secret. You know what I mean? So I don't yeah. really think that's what's going to happen. But man, if it was going to happen, it seems like they'd be. This is setting it up. You know? Yeah. And I don't know. They've how- got to be. They've got to be sharing their playbooks with each other at this point. It's just. It's so weird. There's no way it's not coincidence, right? Like. Yeah, I it- mean, I don't know. It's either like, whoa, yeah. See, Torx is even mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh it's like the greatest coincidence ever, or or they're they're trying to outdo each other, like one-upmanship. Yeah, and maybe that's it too. I mean, that could totally be it. If if. DC had this coming down the pipeline eventually, and Marvel had this coming. And I could see DC being like, oh, we need to hurry up and get it here. And Marvel's being like, oh, we need to stall out a little bit so we can directly uh, compete. Like, that kind of seems like, you know, all these changes with the Marvel characters, they could be like, well, let's just do some crazy stuff before this gets here. You know, it'll buy us some time. And then DC's like, oh, hurry, hurry. So <laughs> we, Marvel's like, we didn't take new 52 seriously and the kids like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now we got to do something because they're, they're talking convergence and God only knows what's going to happen now. So what if we did another secret wars? Wait, they're doing what? 
That's it. We're ending it. We're ending everything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got the Doctor Who Dalek problem. It's like, uh-huh. it's like okay, so we had, uh, we had the scroll invasion and that changed everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, uh, okay, so let's let Norman Osborne run everything. That'll change everything. Let's have uh, the Asgardians be in a terrorist problem. That's going to change everything. Oh, man, we've done everything. Time to just end everything. Just and end that'll it. change everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag changing everything. Oh, man. Yeah, so I don't... I have, <laughs> I have no idea how this is all going to play out. I'm kind of interested. Um... The most, the biggest thing out of all this that affects me is they canceled Swamp Thing. Those, those punks. Yeah. What? what? Well, and, and for me, what they did was they canceled, uh, they, and this may have nothing to do with the event, but they canceled X Factor. Oh, yeah. Which is written by Peter David, and, uh, like they left it on this ridiculous cliffhanger where I'm like, what? They even tied it into Spider-Man 2099, like all the, you know, all the Peter David uh, stuff, which kind of is like its own little Marvel universe inside the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. So they've I'm been doing like, a lot Ugh. of, yeah, they've been doing a lot of stuff with, from what I've hear, been hearing, um, with the Spider-Man nine, 2099 characters, right? Yeah. Well, uh, because they're tying him in, they're doing a lot with the Spider-Man stuff in general because mm-hmm. uh, they're doing the whole Spider-Verse crossover, well, crossover event thing right now where all of the multi, you know, it's, it's again, tying into this multiverse idea where all of the Spider-Man related characters ever uh, are basically battling to stay, uh, you know, to remain like there's this entity that is trying to gobble up all the spider totemed characters in the Marvel multiverse and absorb their powers. It's, it's confusing unless you've been reading Spider-Man for a while. This character has existed in other iterations, but now he's, he's taking out as many Spider-Mans as he can Highlander style to absorb their powers. And uh, so Spidey 2099, he plays pretty heavily into that because uh, he's, you know, he's a future Spider-Man. And uh, it's it gets super confusing when you start talking multiple realities in comics. <laughs> in real life, Earth 2, where Marvel and DC somehow... <laughs> where Marvel no, in and DC, real life. In real life, Earth 2... <laughs> um, in a real life alternate dimension where the two, the big two somehow merged, I honestly don't think I would like that. My, my my brain doesn't have enough room to cram that much worth of a multi-universe history and narr- narrative into it, you know, like. Well, yeah, like uh, Superman doesn't, you know, Superman and Thor next to each other, uh, one or the other is going to be less impressive. You know, like Superman is impressive because he is a god among men on the, you know, on the planet. But then you put him next to Thor, and Thor is a god among men. And it's like, okay. Yeah. You're both god among men, and you're both aliens, sort of. Well, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, exactly. I I think you really keyed into it, because both companies, with with their characters, at the same time offer different things, 
but also too many similar things. You know what I mean? Like there's DC yeah. books generally do have a different tone from Marvel books, which is good. I like that. But at the same time, yeah, there's a lot of character overlap in, yeah. you know, from obviously from decades of two companies uh, competing directly with each other. Well, like the flash has always been uh, DC's kind of lighter side, you know, mm-hmm. flash always has been more of a wisecracker that kind of thing. And so then you, you know, you put the flash and uh, Spider-Man and it's like, okay, well those two wouldn't team up really well, but they have the right mentality to team up really well. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. It would be a really weird team up. I mean, I don't know that you could team them up with the flash being as fast as he is. Uh, yeah, but Spidey's fast too, but not nearly to that level. Yeah, how would they, how, yeah, exactly. How would they be able to, I'm sure writers could figure it out because there's, there's a lot of writers that have to do that when they're working on like yeah. team books, but how would their powers complement or work with each other? With like Arrow versus the Flash or Arrow and the Flash, mm-hmm. you, you can see how that works as a storyline because of how different they are. Mm-hmm. But like Spidey and the Flash, are just similar enough without being similar enough that it doesn't work as well. Speaking of Arrow and the Flash, <laughs> have you have you checked out the newer newest episodes of those? Uh, let's see. Yes, the I first, believe so. First episodes of each are out at least as of um, recording. Well, the first episodes since the mid season break. Yes. Yeah. No. You know, like uh, Arrow. Has gotten so formulaic that I just I just spout out what the whole episode's going to lead up to at the very beginning, mm-hmm. and half the time I'm right. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, for and, sure. And so I totally called uh, I totally called Arrow, and I'm sure I'm not the only one that did. But mm. I was just like, okay, so this is going to happen because of because this happens in the flashback, and this is how. You know, I think the flashback, like, for the most part, they've used the flashbacks well. Like, it it gives them a chance to get out of uh, Starling City and, like, have a, diff- a change of scenery in pretty much every episode. And sometimes mm-hmm. the writing, they the writers use it well to, um, well, sometimes they use it well, sometimes it's ham-fisted, but to mirror what's going on in the main storyline. Um, but, yeah, then a lot of times, though, it ends up, Giving everything away. You're just like, it mirrors it too much. I didn't know, you know, it's not even that it was bad, you know, it's not like it was like, wah, wah, you know, it wasn't like horrible, but at the same time, it was like, uh, I know exactly how they're going to use this. Mm -hmm. You know, like, there's only one way that Ollie's going to come back from the dead is that, uh, you know, so and so is going to save him because he owes him because he broke rank and did something that only Arrow would do because it's, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, uh, because he's anti-authoritarian and, and it's like, well, he's going to do, he's going to do something and then he'll be in his debt and that's going to be what saves his life. And lo and behold, spoilers. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Arrow is just, oh, it's, what is a guilty pleasure, I guess. It, it really is. It's becoming that. And and yet I, I do. I love it wholeheartedly. It sounds like I'm making light of it, but well, I, I do enjoy it a lot or I wouldn't have gotten this far. 
It's it's a little it's a little it's definitely cheesy. It's a little trashy, but at the yeah. same time, like it's really like balances itself on the upper end of trashy TV. Like it's pretty entertaining. Okay, one thing we have not talked about as far as Arrow goes is what about the Adam? Like oh. I never would have thought I would like Brandon Routh as this character. And I like him so much more as Ray Palmer than I do as Clark Kent. Like I like him so much more now uh-huh. compared to the way that, I mean, and he wasn't bad in Superman returns. I feel like he was the, the victim of kind of a weird script. I wouldn't even say bad, just weird and, and not what anyone was expecting. But as the Adam, I'm digging it. Now, I have not seen all of, I've seen a little bit of, but I've not seen all of Superman Returns. But when that guy came on Arrow, I was like, who's this Superman looking? And then I looked at him, I was like, wait, that was Superman. <laughs> that is Superman. <laughs> what? Um, You know, at first he was a little off and on just beca- for me because the character's so forward. But uh, yeah. particularly after... um. I was about to say last night's episode. I watched it last night, but actually it's several days ah. old now. But uh after this last episode, yeah, I really like him too. I I, I think his performance was pretty good. Um Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I like him though. Yeah, I agree with you. He's 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 good and I think the character's eccentric enough that he's interesting. Uh and they they gave, finally gave him a, a pseudo serious. Well, it was pretty serious. It's about as serious as we've mm-hmm. seen this character get in that most recent episode. And it was like, oh, okay. And and he's he can snap between them. I mean, like that's one thing I was like, ah, you know, he's he's funny, but he's not the funniest character. Like, yeah, like he's. I felt like he was almost too funny for who the character is. And and it really started to feel like they were turning the Atom into Iron Man. Oh uh, yeah. And, and yet I I'm still digging it. You know it's 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 my same problem with uh, the Arrow being so much like Batman. Mm-hmm. You know well yeah but I like Batman so <laughs> I guess it's not a problem. <laughs> well with yeah. with his with how yeah with with that character I think you pegged it like how he's being portrayed because at first he was. Not that it was particularly funny, but too funny, you know, almost too cutesy yeah. in a way. Um, which fit, which fit the fact that they're really pairing him up with Felicity, you know, cause she's kind of the, the humorous cutesy character. Um, but it really was him, them giving him a more of a serious background and something, you know, kind of a heavy scene to work with. Where I was like, you know what? He's actually pretty good. Like he's pretty good in this role. That's really is, uh, what won me over on him. So I'm with you on that. Yeah, it was good. I'm, I'm digging it. I, I'm glad to see Brandon Routh back in the, uh, back in the comics universe, but not, you know, not as Superman. Like, I don't know. Maybe that was too big a boots for him to fill. Not that he didn't do it, but he's like, got, I, he, he I certainly got him. that look. Yeah. He's, he's got that look. I still think he was, look, it's a Superman. Superman's in this. When we were watching the previously on at the beginning, um, and it had the little snippet of, uh, Arrow's fight with Ra's al Ghul, uh, Melanie pointed out, she's like, 
because I don't think she mentioned it when we watched the actual episode. She's like, that fight, that death scene was actually really well done. And, mm-hmm. and I agree. Like the look of it was good. Um, it's it, like pretty hardcore. He stabbed arrow through the lungs. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's it. I just had to comment that that was, a- that was actually handled pretty well. Yeah. What happened in the flash? I'm trying. Oh yeah. Um, Captain Cold. Captain Cold yeah. and Heat Wave, was it? Was it Heat Wave? Yes, Heat Wave, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you know, more Captain Cold. And I think we're going to get an awful lot of Captain Cold. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the leader of the rogues, and the rogues are basically, you know, they're the sinister six of the uh, Flash universe. So, And I can't remember exactly what the episode title was, but it was something to do with rogues. Uh, well, yeah, it was the rogues' revenge. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, they're really building up towards the rogues. Uh, I don't know that. It's funny that they keep calling it that because it's, right now it's just cold and, and one other guy, uh-huh, or, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. But but clearly it is more than one other guy because at the end we we get a reveal of a mystery character that we don't get to see. Now, I'm loving the Flash. This episode I thought was a little cheesier, and it's just because. They have the bad guys play classically cheesy kind of bad guys. You know, they talk like that. But there's, there's, <laughs> there's fun to be had there. So like, at, at the same time, that pushes the cheese factor up quite a bit. But man, it's, it's enjoyable. It's fun it's, cheese. It, it's hard for me to see them portray Captain Cold any other way though, because he's such a hard case. Like he is, he, yeah, he takes himself so seriously that it's like they found the perfect person for that. It's like, you're such a cheesy, you know, like you, you're such a gimmicky villain, but you take yourself so seriously that you need a character actor that can do that. And, and so far, I think this guy is pulling it off. Mm. And I didn't see him. He's in, he's from, uh, Prison Break. Okay. I think we talked about this with, uh, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. My biggest issue I think with the show, and this is probably generally dealing with the Flash as a character, um is that the Flash like technically get and given given the level of villains he's got right now, where Captain Cold is at in Heatwave, he's such an overpowered character that I find myself frustrated because I'm like, no, no, this fight would not. The all the Flash has to just run up, take the guns away from them while they're talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you're faster than they can even think. You, you, this fight would be over. What are you doing? But you know that's not right. thematically or you know uh, exciting. When they're trying to build him up as this is like year one mm-hmm. Flash, where he's still, you know, like every episode he's learning more about his abilities and he's getting faster and faster. And, uh, like they haven't had him vibrate through anything yet. No, they so haven't. There's, I'm waiting. There's still abilities that he has to unlock. And, and the time travel, which we've kind of, I, I think there's been press out that he's going to, you know, he's going to hit that level of speed where there will be time travel. Well, and since they've like, um, and they'll do the flashbacks to when he was a kid and his, his mom was attacked. Yeah. Um, it, particularly since they've like established the reverse flash, 
right. The man in the yellow suit. Um, yeah, it's pretty obvious that it's, it's red and yellow streaks going on in that scene. So yeah. I'm super excited for that. I'm actually still kind of surprised. Of course, I guess if you're a TV show and you don't know if you're coming back for a second season, like you want to pull out all the stops. I'm surprised they, 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 uh, revealed that much in the first season already. Oh yeah. Regarding the, yeah, Flash. yeah. It's kind of a strange way to start considering, mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've done and undone that story to different characters so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, uh, Barry Allen returned right before they rebooted the entire DC universe. Uh, with the whole Flash Rebirth thing, because he got lost in the crisis. He was swallowed up by the Speed Force, which is what he taps into. Mm-hmm. And he was gone for decades, and it was Wally West, Kid Flash, that took over the mantle. And uh, when they came back, then they did this whole storyline where that's what happened. Uh, uh, the reverse Flash went back in time and tried to erase the Flash's entire existence. You know, by killing off his parents and that kind of thing. Tried tried to go back in time, but, you know, obviously the Flash can do that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. But for the most part, like, I part of what makes Arrow fun in terms of, like, coming at it from, and I don't even have that much comic knowledge of the Arrow, of Green Arrow or Flash, but coming at it from that point is seeing, like, the characters they'll pull from the comics and the little nods. Flash, I really appreciate because it's not little nods. It's obvious straight up in your face. Hey, here's this character. And, yeah. and the, and referencing the rogues gallery, the rogues specifically. Um, I just like that. Like it's, it, yeah, in the, in the, uh, episode title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unabashedly like, it's the Flash, you know, from the comics. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just like, like that approach. Hey, guess who her fiance was? Firestorm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. Oh, Bonsai, you scared me. <laughs> I felt like a weird pulling on my on my leg. He's trying to scratch at me. But um, anyway, so yeah, there's those shows are still cheesy, but man, they're fun. Yeah. I think I think I squeed with delight when uh that whole episode with uh Wildcat and the uh the um the boxing glove arrow. Oh. oh god <laughs> I was just like I can't wait. They'll have to do it at some point. And then when it happened I was like, Yes and then Holly's like, No, science that arrow would go right through the punching <laughs> glove or the boxing glove and I was like, Okay, right, you're it doesn't matter. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I Maybe. love that. I love that too. And actually, I can't believe I forgot to mention that whenever the last time we were, whenever the last time we recorded since then, I, I wanted to mention that. But yeah, that was, it was pretty fantastic. I yeah. also, I don't think Melanie was also that impressed with it either. So it's definitely. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like that's golden age. I mean, we're going way back when you talk about his trick arrows. Mm-hmm. Well, even, they'll even, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, New 52 Green Arrow. I don't know. But they'll even in the comics pull that out as a gag once in a while. The boxing arrow glove. And somebody will be like, really? Yeah. The box, a boxing arrow? <laughs> yeah. A boxing glove arrow? Uh, it, it's, it is. It's just classic. So I'm really glad they went there. 
anytime that they need to, like now in the modern universe, anytime they need to pull Ollie down a peg, they reference that. Yep. <laughs> Arguably one of the more fun moments in Arrow, because even though that there's, there's some fun moments, it usually does take itself kind of, uh, yeah, overly serious well, sometimes. Even even Wildcat, it was like, oh wow, they're gonna do Wildcat, but they're gonna make him like really. <laughs> they're gonna make him really serious too. And I mean, he is kind of serious, but he's got such a ridiculous costume in the comics. Uh huh. <laughs> it was like, oh okay, they're gonna go there, huh? Um, but they tied it in really well with you know Black Canary and everything that's happening there. I, I can't stand Laurel. I just gotta say it. <laughs> I don't like her as much as Sarah. We actually get her in the Black Canary costume at the end of the most recent episode. I guess that's kind of spoiler, but, like, it's obvious that's what they were building up to. When that's the thing that bugs me about, you know, like, the thing that bugs me about that is that she uses all of the gear that Sarah spent years, you know, learning how to use. She would be, she would be different. It's like all the Robins. The Robins are not identical. You know, each of the Robins has their own thing. And, uh, Laurel should be the same way. If they're gonna do multiple black canaries, then she's not going to wield the bow staff. Yeah. She's gonna have her own thing and she's gonna be more of a brawler because she trained with Wildcat. Yeah, exactly. And, and it was pretty brief her appearance as Black Cat, but, what she's been training for six months, maybe? Yeah. If that, like, ugh. and and is she still training with him? Oh, I don't know. I kind of assumed she was. Even know. Yeah, I, I guess maybe. But, but they didn't. They didn't say that. I just assumed it. So yeah, I'm not sure. Arrow does have. It has that thing where uh, six months and suddenly, if that, and suddenly a character can stand up against. Uh, Ollie, or, or, what's his name? Um, what's his name in the show? Captain Jack. I can't remember his name. Hart, Jack Hartman. Oh, uh, yeah, Bar- Barrowman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, who I apparently have both been training for years and years, you know? Uh, yeah. It, they kind of do that, and I guess I understand it. You, you just want to rush, you just want to put these characters in the situation, you know, suspense. Well, Thea has been doing nothing but train with, with, uh, Merlin since the summer. <laughs> Merlin. <laughs> and a, you know, an entire summer with Merlin and, you know, it's magic. So. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I give that training a little bit more than, um, Laurel's training, but still. That's a minor yeah, okay. complaint. Is, is it, is it hard to, uh, is it hard to envision him in this serious role, Barrowman? Because, like, sometimes I have a hard time, like, oh. realizing, it was like, cause he's, I don't know. He's got a little bit of that, like, smarm to him. But everything else I've seen him in, and even his public appearances, he's so madcap and not taking things seriously that when I see him as Merlin, I'm like, I don't know if I'm buying it. <laughs> I laugh. I laugh at him so many times when I think he's supposed to be, tra- you know, serious. He just makes me laugh. I can't help it. I can't remember what it was in this last episode, but there was something where he said something, and it was supposed to be, you know, you could tell kind of serious, but he said it with some gusto, and it just cracked me up just because of his delivery. And I was like, I don't know. I I, I don't... It's, he's even had really, like, 
poignant moments. As Jack Harkness, he gets a lot of like moments where it's like, okay, we're gonna kill a third of the children. On oh the yeah, Earth. yeah. You know, it's like he he gets those moments and he pulls them off. But there's always there's always a comedy relief follow up somewhere. Uh huh. And and I think with Arrow, like. Cause yeah, he is capable, like Torchwood, they put, they put, they put his character through some paces in Torchwood. Um, I think as an actor, he's capable, but I don't think, I think Arrow demands a seriousness, but not that level of seriousness. So he doesn't necessarily put, uh, that tone in it. It's just still always got a little bit of like, he's always got a little smirk on his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like he's just excited to be doing something like this. Uh-huh. <laughs> he just, uh, you know, and that shouldn't be a negative, really. But it's like, you're having entirely too much fun here, Barrowman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know what, though? That's probably what it is. I bet, really, he is having too much fun. And that translates to uh the screen, maybe when it's not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, from everything I've heard, he's he's a pretty wild guy to work with. Well, you you know, you listen to podcasts that he's been on, like, oh, it's probably been a couple of years back, but he did a podcast with uh, the Nerdist guys, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> oh, I have not heard that one. I might have to uh, search that one up. Just look for any kind of, uh, just any kind of public appearance that he's done. I'm really excited to to. Yeah, like we're definitely getting in his line uh, at Planet here in March. Yeah, um, I think that the couple that we we're ironclad on is obviously we're going to meet um, Karen Jillian. Mm-hmm. Is it Karen? Yeah, Karen. I always get it wrong, so I, I got to double check myself. Uh, so Amy Pond and, uh, and then John Barrowman, we're going to get in those two lines. Uh, Gwen Cooper w- was originally scheduled to go, and that was those two were the ones I was most interested in. <laughs> like Amy Pond slid way down my list when I thought Gwen Cooper was going. Oh, did she drop out though? <laughs> Scheduling conflicts. So they're talking about maybe booking her for next year, but you know it's always down to the guests and what they can make happen. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of bummed about that because I was like, man, if we can get a picture with uh, John Barrowman, you, you know, with, with Captain Jack and Gwen Cooper. That hello, would be pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's happening. I will spend the money on that. Because those are, the, I mean, those are the principal characters that are left for Torchwood. I mean, those are only two you need to make us Torchwood at this point. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh, I guess before we move into... Uh, old Batman, as Melanie would say. <laughs> yeah. Batman of the Synth, I think. is. Yes, we it. need to talk about that, because we've kind of put a pin in that one for a while now. Yeah, and I keep spacing it off. Um, and, and speaking of that project, there's also, uh, aren't you working on or in the early stages of another compilation album? Another EMG one? Yes. Is that, yep, yep. yep. Um, the EMG compilation album, yeah, we're working on... That, uh, it should be out in March, which is not too far away. And that's going to be, um, ideally the, uh, the, the, a lot of our electronic musicians group compilation albums are like, most of them have a theme, but for this one, I wanted to kind of go back to like our first compilation album where it's not a theme, but the idea right. it's, 
It's new music though by, by the different musicians and, and bands and that are in the group, um, to kind of be like, this is where EMG's at now, you know? Yeah, I was just going to ask, uh, have you seen a lot of turnover? Like, are most of the, uh, kind of founding members of EMG still involved? Really, a lot of the ones that have been, in, been, been in the group since, uh, year one, I guess you'd say, are still there and active. A couple of them aren't as active just because they're not as active, um, making music right now. Uh, and it, it, which kind of bums me out, but you know, they've got stuff going, they have, you know, life, I guess, going on. Oh, how far? But like, Likely story. <laughs> like, I think this compilation, I'd say the majority, um, you know, 75% of the artists that had a track on the first compilation album, which came out like three years ago, will have a new track on this. So that's, I'm pretty excited for that. And then of course, you know, people that have joined up since then. But yeah, in March. So that'll be cool. That'll be, you know, pretty diverse. Uh, I say electronic based music because most of it is, but it's more from the standpoint of like how the music's created because we have a couple guys that in there that have various projects ranging from like, uh, doom or black metal to where it's like straight up classic heavy metal, black metal style music. Um, and then you guys that you'll have guys on there that are all electronic and it's synths and stuff like that. So pretty wide, sure. wide variety of genres. So yeah, that's happening. So that's exciting. Yeah. I'll have to make a new song for it. I haven't started working on it yet, but there's time. <laughs> there's time. The other thing, uh, hashtag Batman. <laughs> yeah. Get the attention back. Um, Batman of the Synth came out, what was it, last month, maybe? Or maybe the month before? I I was going to say, has it been longer? It might have been two months. Yeah, it might have been longer. I I was just like, hey, why haven't we talked about this? (laughs) This is a cool project, and I didn't have anything. This this was put together by some people in um, uh, different Synthwave groups and put out by uh, this very cool, uh, I guess you'd call him a label, uh, retro promenade. Uh-huh. But so I didn't have anything, uh, to do with putting this together, but I did get a track on there and I love, as soon as I heard the concept, I was like, Oh my gosh, I got to be in on this. Uh, basically the idea was they, uh, reached out to synthwave artists, which is synthwave is, you know, kind of like a, a modern, modern take on 80s style new wave and synth synthesizer music. Oh, okay. And they're like, okay, so uh we're doing a Batman themed compilation album. Everybody picks a character. Um nobody picks the same character, you know, so everybody picks a different character from the Batman universe and create a track based on them, inspired by them somehow, and go. And the track it the album is like thirty seven tracks long. They got Yeah, it's big because I uh I uh, what did I? I bought the download because it's pay pay what you want. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I chipped in and I started downloading. I was like, this is a big <laughs> download. Yeah, it's like yeah, thirty seven different artists, which is awesome. Um, yeah, and man, the synthwave community is really cool because you've got like the as far as the the genre goes, you've got like the the well known and the professional sounding guys. And, and ladies, you know, um, and 
but also like the smaller guys. Like I'll kind of group myself in there with the smaller guys because, you know, mm-hmm. I know there's people in the genre that are uh, having their stuff professionally produced and then a lot of people that are bedroom producers, you know, as they say. Uh, right. Or, or closet producers, like. <laughs> closet. But that, that's got a weird, con, a weird uh, tone to it, so I won't use that term, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got a track on that. The album's awesome and it's huge. And some of the characters that the, they pulled, I was like, wow. Like, they really pulled some, like, pretty obscure characters once in a while. I think there's a track on there, um, about Grey Ghost. Which was the, uh, character from the Batman, the animated series played by, uh, Adam West. Oh, <laughs> which I was like, the great ghost. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Cause it was basically like the Batman animated series version of what Batman is. Like, you know, of Batman 66. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. But for my character, and I had no trouble getting this character because nobody else picked, you know, he's he, nobody. I don't think anybody thinks to pick Professor Pig, but I did a Professor Pig track. Yes. Yeah. So you should definitely check that out. If you go to retro promenade um, or promenade promenade dot bandcamp dot com, mm-hmm. I'll include a link in the show notes because I don't want to spell it out. Um, sure. You can get that album. Like Jesse said, it's it's pay what you want. Uh, if you want to be cheap, you can get it for free. If you want to chip in, uh, do that. That goes towards the label. They do some a lot of really cool uh, compilation albums and different stuff like that. So anything that goes to them, they put into future releases, which is awesome. Right now, they are, not to drag this on too long, but right now they're, they just put out a Twin Peak, like similar concept, but with Twin Peaks. Oh, I bet that'd be an interesting sound. And it's perfect for that, uh, you know, that sound. Yeah, it kind of is. Like the Batman thing works in a concept because Batman's been around forever and it's flexible. Um, yeah. But Twin Peaks comes right on the edge, like what that came out in the super early nineties. And so it's right yeah. on the edge of where it still fits into the, uh, time period that Synthwave usually like, conjures in your mind when you hear it um, when it's got all those weird elements that would become uh like x-file style mm-hmm. you know i mean like it it has a lot of those x-file like what's going on here moments without being x-file yeah and i didn't get in on volume one i'm working on a track for volume two volume two is like remixes i'm actually having, uh-huh. i'm actually having a lot of trouble by the time this out uh episode comes out the due date for that will be will be passed, but I'm having trouble for that with that one. So I might drop off of volume two, but they're going to do a volume three, which is all original music. And I'll definitely have that. But anyway, mm. I mentioned that because volume one had been the best selling album on Bandcamp for several days in a row. Oh, wow. They were super excited about that. And rightfully so. I really wish I yeah. got in on that one. Yeah. That's a huge community. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, Batman of the synth, check it out. It's, it's a lot of, Pretty awesome tracks. You know, a lot of 80s sounding tracks. Um, my track, I think, sounds kind of 80s, but it's got a bit more weird, creepy tone to it. But I, I was going to say, you, you pull a little bit of your John Carpenter in there. Yeah. But I was like, Professor Pig is a, I call it's, it's called Professor Pig and the doll, and his Dollatrons. I was like, it's such a weird character. It's gotta yeah. be a weird, creepy track. So. 
Yeah. Check that out. I'll include a link in the show notes. You get me started, Jesse, and I'll, I'll, I'll wind myself <laughs> no. talking about this. <laughs> well, we've, we've got to, we've got to talk about this stuff. So moving from that Batman, uh, <laughs> since we didn't have a regular segment, I was like, you know, and I'm actually glad you picked this, Jesse, because this is something Melanie would have no interest in reading. Um, <laughs> but I messaged, My, oh, what's that? I, I don't know why I started reading it, but I was just like, okay. It's been sitting long enough, and I do. Uh, I am interested in it, and it is Kevin Smith. At least he's involved, mm-hmm. and so like, there's no reason for me not to read this. And so I just kind of started, and I was like, "Oh, hey, here's the thing I've been reading." So I was like, "Well, we don't have Melanie will be gone for a big part of this episode, and we don't have a segment, an extra segment, since Swamp Studies will be next month." And you s- suggested. Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Yep. Which is something I, I had bought. I had all the issues here. I had to, I had to dig through like a year's worth of unorganized comics to find them. Um, <laughs> I, I really need to go through my comic collection and, and organize them. When I had read, uh, issue one quite a while ago, so I had to go back upstairs and look for issue one because mm-hmm. the other ones were still down here, but I had to go find it so that I'd have them all. For the show. So yeah, Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet. Six, six issue miniseries, uh, written by Ralph Garman and Kevin Smith. And, um, art by Ty Templeton with covers by Alex Ross. And I gotta give sh- those covers. Oh, they're brilliant. I uh, would, I would hang these on my wall, no problem. Well, I appreciate good cover art. And, but I'm not like a lot of people will buy an issue just because of the cover art. You know, oftentimes I won't necessarily do that. But, man, these covers are so nice. Like, my eyes, like, I'd pick up the next issue to read it, and I'd just get stuck on the cover and be like, awesome cover art. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite, issue two, where they're on top of the train with the bubble gum, or not not the bubble gum, the glue, but it looks kind of yeah. like bubble gum. Yeah. That, that cover is magnificent. And then also the issue with all four of them, uh, on the cover with all four of them climbing up the side of the building, classic bat climb style. Um, yeah, with the ghosts of the villains behind them. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was really that's good. awesome. When I even like the first and the last ones with the pals and the, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's, it's nothing that you wouldn't expect. Uh, you know, kind of a classic way to start and end the series, but. The execution uh, is excellent. Yeah. And the color palette's perfect. It's, yeah, all the covers are pretty magnificent. And the interior art's no slouch either. I, I, what is it, in the fifth issue or fourth issue, they incorporate a, a second group. Templeton does half the art and then the other half is done by another studio. Okay, see, yeah, I wasn't sure, but I noted there, yeah, I did notice the art change and, I read, I, I finished the last, uh, two issues about 10 minutes before I messaged you and started setting up the podcast. So I forgot to go back and look to see who did it. But yeah, I did notice the art change in like issues four or five. Yeah. Uh, was it, uh, Mad Pencil Studios? Is that it? I don't know. That's, that's what it says on the cover of five. And it's not a drastic art change. Um, it still feels cohesive, but yeah, it's a little, it's a little different at that Just point. Just th- uh, thinner line work, you know. That's like, exactly. Uh, yep. This Ty Templeton did a really, he had a really distinct 
uh, style that had this really thick line, this like brush line. And, uh, I think that this other art style was, was awesome. And it, it definitely, uh, it definitely pulled from the 66 series, but it was, uh, thinner, thinner style line, mm-hmm. maybe a little more mechanical looking. So Melanie's back in time to hear us talk about Batman 66. Yeah, perfect timing. <laughs> Old Batman. Old Batman. Um, Wait, what did you do for the whole hour I was gone? <laughs> we, I don't know. Arrow. Arrow. <laughs> Flash. It's stuff you would have enjoyed talking about. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> man, I didn't even think about that. We should have just done Batman and then... Oh, man. That's okay. I'll sit here quietly. Keep to myself while you always talk about your Batman. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was, I was, Melanie was sitting there as I was finishing up the last couple of issues and I looked at her and I was like, you would not, you're, I was like, this is the perfect book to read without you because you would have no interest. The puns, the puns are insane. Oh yeah, yeah that's Adam West at his finest right mm-hmm. there is the puns. No wonder I have such a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I did. I grew, I grew up on this show in MASH. <laughs> Uh, reading, I, I didn't want to say the writing, we, well, we touched on the artwork a little bit. I think the artwork's pretty excellent throughout. Um, oh yeah. The, the look is, of the characters are all perfect. Uh, the color, the color palette matches the show very well. Um, but at the same time, it's also like, it's a comic book, so you'll get more dynamic, <laughs> more dynamic angles and stuff, um. <laughs> and and a little bit more dynamic action because there's times where like they will like jump through a a, a sky uh what is it a sky roof moon roof oh yeah yeah skylight yeah so you'll actually see the Adam West ca- uh costumed Batman leaping through the air and I'm like they could not do that on the old show. yeah they never did that yeah uh-uh. um if anything like he'd just like kind of jump up fr- jump out from the side of the uh the screen and land. You Most know. of the time he would run in, stop and look around and then point it, point at the air and declare something. <laughs> yep. Yep. The writing like pegged the tone. And that's, that was an interesting thing because usually when I hear Kevin Smith's writing, I think Kevin Smith mm-hmm. and I hear Kevin Smith's characters like in the, uh, view askew even when it's Batman titles, like, uh-huh. Kevin Kevin Smith's voice comes through, but in this, it was so pitch perfect to '66 Batman that all I could hear was Adam West and you know yeah. Robert Ward. Me too. Um, I'm really curious as to how much of the workload was handled by Kevin Smith and how much was handled by Ralph Garman because I was listening to um, they have that podcast Hollywood Babylon around the time when this got announced and they could start talking about it. And of course they did. Ralph Garman is a huge Batman 66, uh, fan. In fact, Ralph Garman is responsible for, uh, Adam West finally getting a star on the Hollywood. Um, what? Yeah. He was, he, he, he worked for years to make that happen. Like I'm sure other people contributed as well, but he was one of the driving forces behind, because apparently it's this whole weird, like, you got to petition and you got to, like, it's this whole weird thing to get somebody's star on there. Mm-hmm. But Adam West at this point, it's like, you know, they do cartoons where 
And Adam West is the voice of Adam West. He's mm-hmm. like that famous. Why wouldn't he have a star? You know? He was just one of those. Yeah, but he's one of those actors that's like, everybody knows Adam West, but it's, he's kind of, he does get a lot of that cartoon work and, but he, it's still kind of niche, you know? Yeah, he's kind of both, he's like a household name, but not always because of his awesomeness. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. Maybe awesomeness is the, the is the phrase that would be contested. <laughs> yeah. Well, and apparently, and I didn't know this, they only give out so many, and a bunch of people have to agree to it, and there's, like, a question of money and all this other stuff that goes into getting a star. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, so Ralph Garman is a huge Batman 66 fan. And apparently DC... And I'm assuming Dynamite Comics, because it was co-published by them, too, because Dynamite has the Green Hornet license. Right. Uh, it was Dynamite, right? Yeah, I think so. Yep, yep. And they appre- approached Kevin Smith. And Kevin right, because he, he started their uh, their modern line of Green Hornet. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. That I did not realize. Yeah, um, well, you know, modern, quote unquote. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, when they brought, when Dynamite started really hitting the Green Hornet with their own series, Kevin Smith started it, and then they took what he started with and they continued it without him because Kevin Smith has so many projects going, but. And know, I think he, he has only, attention issues. Yeah, yeah. I, he can only do so many projects at once and be successful. So. Uh, uh huh. Um, well, they approached him, and according to, this is, you know, I heard this on their podcast or whatever, and he said he's interested, but he really wants to co-write it with his buddy, Ralph Garman, because Ralph's a huge fan of, of that stuff. And so, you know, they agreed, sure, okay, yeah, whatever. We just want you to do this book type of thing. Yeah. And then after that, it sounds kind of like, he took it to Ralph Garman and Ralph Garman was a hundred percent on board. And from the tone of it was if Ralph Garman wasn't working on it, it wouldn't have got done. Mm-hmm. And that's coming from both yeah. of them. <laughs> yeah. To where Ralph was all gung ho and all about it and would have to like get hold of Kevin Smith and be like, so we're going to do this and this and this. And Kevin Smith, yeah, okay, do it. Yeah, whatever type thing. So Ralph Garman's like the you. Kind of. <laughs> but, uh, well, so I wonder how much of the writing is Ralph Garman and how much of it is Kevin Smith. I don't suppose it really matters, regardless who, you know, how they worked it out. They nailed mm-hmm. the tone of the dialogue, um, the tone of the crazy capers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The dialogue is great. And actually, reading this, like, made me appreciate the things that are humorous about the show more. So that's, you know, yeah. a good indication that the, the, it's good. The book nails it. The alliteration in the, yes. in the dialogue and the, uh, the voiceover or as the uh, narrator or yeah. whatever his, the third person. Yeah. And the, the puns and the, the crazy stupid names that everybody calls each other, you know, uh, <laughs> and the way that that Batman would always talk about civic duty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was perfect because more so than reading any other, like, 
when I read Batman, I guess a lot of people will hear, you know, so-and-so. Oh, I hear Batman, you know, Michael Keaton's voice, or I hear Christian Bale's voice, or uh, Kevin Conroy's voice. I usually don't hear a specific voice when I read Batman. But reading this, I can't help but hear Adam West's voice. And it's yeah. always perfect. Mm-hmm. It nails yeah. it. His inflection and where he would rise on words, and like the dialogue always flows perfect to how it would sound. It sounds in my head. Yeah, I think the art pegged it too. I mean, like I mm-hmm. think they are so seamless because whenever you would have Adam West's uh, oh Adam West style monologue, you'd have a classic look. Like, like, like this is where the camera would focus in on his face, mm-hmm. and he'd, he'd just have one finger raised. Uh, giving his little soap, soapbox treatment. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was perfect. And Burt Ward, they, they nailed his looks and he, when he put his fists yeah, together yeah. and, you know. Let's punch him. <laughs> makes me want, makes me wonder if his Dick Grayson wasn't more like a Jason Todd. Cause he always wants to fight. Yeah, you're right. Kind and, of. Yeah. And then, then Batman has to reel him in and like, no, come on, Dick. <laughs> well, there's even one point where, uh, Robin says something about wanting to, to, you know, get the bad guys and whatever because they tried to kill them. And then, of course, Batman's like, don't confuse revenge for justice and blah, 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 and has this little speech and reels him in, but. Gee, you're right, Batman. <laughs> and, like, the clues that the villains, for whatever reason, always have to leave behind and how, how the, uh, the heroes figure out Oh well, they mentioned this, and that has to do with a uh, with with Greece and blah blah blah. So naturally, yeah. they're they're at the old world <laughs> fairgrounds. <laughs> the convoluted uh, string of logic, yeah. Uh huh. Nailed it every time. Yeah, you know, kind of a throwback to Arrow. That's one of the things uh, about Arrow and Flash that Holly and I always laugh about because it, they, they did, you know, it's a CW property, mm-hmm. and they did. Smallville, and we always we always laughed when uh, something would happen where Chloe would just figure out what was going on with the meteor rock freaks or whatever. Like someone would just like, oh, and the, you know what might be happening, and it was spot on what was happening. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, you'll have a moment like that with uh, Felicity or even Diggs. We'll be like, hey, you know what? I bet you, I bet you this is what's going on. It was like, you have zero evidence to support that, but you know exactly what's happening now. Yeah. My, my, my favorite is, uh, I gotta do the search. Type like three keys. Okay, here's the answer to all of our questions. I'm like, yeah, the internet doesn't work that fast. I don't know what kind of supercomputer you're working on that with three letters knows exactly what you want. Roy Harper can hack the, uh, FBI's grid. Just by using Felicity Smoke's computer. Yeah. She's just like, she's like, are you hacking their computer? And then that's it. Like, it doesn't get into how dangerously uh, stupid that is. Also, also, <laughs> since we're on this, one thing, and this has really been irritating me. This last episode, they really did it. One, they need to lock their door. And two, they might need to think about some type of security system or at least a door chime like convenience stores have. <laughs> because everybody just walks right into the uh, arrow cave. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> and when they're down there, they're always surprised when they turn around and Laurel's there or Merlin's there. Yeah. And then I was thinking about it while we were watching this episode. Every major villain has been in there. 
Every major villain in the show <laughs> has been in that freaking their hideout. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows where it's at. <laughs> Except for the person who owns the bar in which that is located. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. They they need to, they really need a new hideout. And that reminds me, did you did you read any of the Harley Quinns? No, I haven't read it for a while. Every time you say the Arrow Cave, it drives me insane because in that she she suggests that they call it the Quiver, and that's what I always think of it as. Uh-huh. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, that's like great. And even in the comic, he's like, yeah, that's better, but too bad. Too <laughs> it's bad. It's this. the Arrow Cave. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that might have been in Injustice, now that I think about it. Oh, was it? Like, the first year they were doing Injustice. Oh, maybe it was. Either way, it was Harley Quinn that was like, you need to call it the Quiver. Yeah. Yeah. So on this Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet thing, I did a little extra credit. Oh. I read the first issue, and they were referencing the crossover from the TV show. and uh-huh. and, and namely the villain. And I did not recall ever seeing that. So I searched it out online and watched the two episodes of the Batman 66 series. Oh, awesome. With the crossover. And for one, Bruce Lee. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, no way. <laughs> Mind-blowing to see Bruce yeah. Lee on the Bat- on Batman. I do not – maybe if I had seen those episodes when I was younger, it might have been before I was really aware of who Bruce Lee was. But it's so oh, crazy. Yeah. And then there's a couple fights where, like, Bruce Lee, or where Kato and Robin are fighting. And I'm like, no way. Yeah, Bruce Bert Lee. Ward actually get, uh, Bert, Bert Ward actually gets some licks in. And it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know, I know. And then there's a couple times where Bruce Lee has some good lines, and he just delivers it Bruce Lee style. Where the English is a little rough, but he's got so much attitude behind it. Yeah. Where I was like, that's freaking Bruce Lee. Oh man, it was, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was the thing, uh, reading this again, where, again, they have Robin and Kato, mm-hmm. uh, they have to square off, or else a shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or else a shark, and then you never or, see the shark again. Or else a shark. Where was <laughs> the shark even hidden? It was behind, like, it, a, like a giant curtain that no one had pointed out before, but. <laughs> or else a shark. <laughs> Or an elfish shark. <laughs> if you don't fight a shark, so yeah, and then again, you know, uh, they're they're playing it up like, well, we were just stalling for time, mm-hmm. but it was like, oh no, that's Bruce Lee, or at least it's referencing Bruce Lee, uh-huh. and Cato uh, would so school Robin. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for Cause, sure. Because Cato is every bit, if not more, proficient than the Green Hornet when it comes to fighting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure, because the Green Hornet just pretty much has his uh, gas gun and his hornet sting, or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and that also reminds me, and this is, I know this because of listening to Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman talk about it. The actor who played, let's see, in the comic it was General Gum, right? Or Colonel. Yes. Yeah, in the, com- in the comic it's uh, General, and before it was, was it Colonel before? Yeah. They, what- they go into it at the beginning, yeah. Is a colonel, yeah, a colonel's under the general, right? Because he gave yes. himself like a promotion or a, Yeah, he gave himself it, a few promotion, yeah. Well, the actor who played him in the show was a guy named Rich, uh, Roger C. Carmel. It says Carmel. It's probably pronounced fancier, but the reason Gum looks like he does in the comic is because, uh, they could get the rights to everybody else, the like likeness rights, and that's how they can do the Batman 66 
comic series and stuff now, but they couldn't, mm-hmm. they couldn't get the rights to that, that actor. Um, he's passed away uh, and I don't know if the family wanted too much money or they weren't available or they said no. I'm not sure the specifics, but they couldn't get the rights to him. So that's where they come up with this whole thing where he went to jail and then broke out of jail and was like inventing this new super glue and it covered him. So that's the reason Colonel Gum looks like he does. Okay, and they just show, like, in the flashback where he becomes General Gum, they just show, like, his, uh, you know, his mustache yep. and, like, the top of his head, and then all of a sudden the explosion, and yep. then we have a Clayface-esque gum man. I thought it was just, you know, that it's a comic, and so now they can do They can more. do crazy things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. now we have a more... A super-powered villain, because I, it's a comic now. I guess it was... I mean, it works, and it works, and if you, like, you you know, if you don't know that story, like you said, you assume, since it's a comic, they can they can do that kind of thing now. But yeah, I guess it's a legal workaround, because they really wanted ah. to use... They really wanted to use that character, since that was the villain from the episodes that they did the crossover on. Sure. Um... So they had to come up with something so they could do that without violating the likeness issue. This is something they've been doing in the comics the whole time since they got the license to do the Batman 66. But I love that you can see the Joker's mustache through his makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, great. that was pretty pretty awesome. Pitch perfect. It was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I don't know. Like the ongoing, I had started buying... And then I kind of dropped because I just wasn't reading it. Uh huh. And this, like, I wouldn't mind picking up the occasional Batman 66, uh, miniseries, but I don't know if I need, need that as an ongoing. You know what I mean? Right. I'll just yeah, watch like, the show I, if I really like. Want I have it. the, uh, I have the untold one, the, uh, was oh, the missing yeah. episode or whatever. Yeah. And I'm excited to read that, but again, I've just kind of been hoarding it, just like this one. I just kind of hung on to it until I needed, you know, like that one, I'm excited to read too. But am I going to go ahead and pick up the ongoing? Eh, I don't know about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it just came down to you got to trim the fat once in a while. And I was like, sure. I've got, I'm, buying almost every comic or every Batman themed comic. I was like, I need to try to trim it. And I was like, well, that's, that's going to be one of them. Yeah. Just because I'm not as up on reading it all the time that Batman 66 lost episode. I'm very interested to read, but I think that thing is like 10 bucks. Yeah. It's, it's at least $8 and it's, yeah, it's not even like a full trade either. It's like a mini trade kind of thing. Yeah. I just, the only reason I got it is that I've always thought that why didn't they have a Two-Face in that series? Because he would have been perfect for all the puns. I mean, even, even as serious a character as he is, he's full of puns. And that's the one character that didn't ever make an appearance in the series. So I was excited to find out that there was a script. Yeah, so that's based on a script, an original script for the series, right? Yeah, yeah, that just didn't ever happen. So, it's pretty yeah, cool. it's I I needed it, and when I found that out, I was like, yes, I, I needed it. <laughs> uh, happening. <laughs> well, and you're a Two Face fan too. Yes, yeah, I believe we've talked about that a bit. Mm-hmm. This is jumping back, but I know we mentioned 
So we're going to be reading Batman Zero Year for the next pull list pick? That's yes. Okay. And then our last Swamp Studies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I might actually, if I have the gumption, because I, I want to read past Alan Moore's run. I want to see what follows. Mm-hmm. Um, I might continue Swamp Studies on the YouTube channel. Even oh, if, okay. Even yeah. if... Even if I, like, you know, just read it and, like, ramble on a bit about what I thought, but <laughs> I just want to spread the swamp, the swamp, swamp word. Yeah. <laughs> the swaga. The swaga. But do you want to talk about, I think, what we decided on will replace swamp studies? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, because I, I talk about these humble bundles all the time, and I really don't read anything off of them. Uh, but one of the last, uh, one of the big ones that I got was the last two image humble bundles, which included an awful lot of The Walking Dead. So I've got at least eight volumes of The Walking Dead that I need to read. Nice. You should. They're fantastic. So we're thinking that that will be the next Swamp Studies segment. Yep. Yeah. So a volume. I'm assuming a volume per yeah, segment. Yeah, yeah. sounds good to me. Yeah. Um, I I know I've read, I don't remember how far I've read. I've read past the first volume, but probably not that far. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And like we mentioned earlier, Melanie's, that's one of the books Melanie's always after me. You're like, why aren't you reading this? I want to talk to you about this. Um, so that'll be good. I'll have... Uh, even more incentive to read it, even more of an excuse, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And I know it is good. I enjoyed it. It's just one, you know, it's just one of those series I put down at one point and didn't pick back up. Um, and it's got so many volumes now that that becomes intimidating. Because mm-hmm. what they're they're beyond they're in the twenties or thirties now as yeah. far as volumes go. I know the issues they're up to one hundred and thirty or one hundred and forty something issues, and it comes out for a while. They were putting it out twice a month. Okay, here's the thing that I was uh, surprised by, uh, because I I was looking into it, and uh, Rick Rick Grimes is, uh, he's 29 when this whole thing starts, and he's like 33 in current continuity. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Rick is younger than I am. That's crazy. (laughs) And and I have a hard time uh, picturing him that way. Because of the show. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's older in the show, but also, like, he's, yeah, he's so capable. I don't know yeah. if that's the right word to put use, but... No, makes sense. Um, I, I can kind of see it, considering how he's portrayed in Volume 1. Yeah. Um, the Tony the Tony Moore album, uh, volume, because he's got more of that baby face look to him. But yeah. it's like, really? He's only 33 now. Several years into the continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I didn't know that. So we need to come up with a title for, because we can't keep calling it Swamp Studies, and The Talking Dead is already taken. Hmm. Well, we could call it Dead Air. Ooh, Ooh that's good. I like that. <laughs> okay. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a movie that's called Dead Air or there, something. I'm sure there is. I've heard it. I know I've heard that phrase other than, you know. Yeah. I, I like that, and that's probably what we're going to go with. But 
I can just picture now uh, typing up the episode descriptions and pimping them on uh, Twitter. Oh, and listen to another installment of Dead Air on this audio <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the podcast. Let's listen to Dead Air. <laughs> no, we talked about, um, when you were gone, we talked about Marvel. The U end of the Marvel U, yeah. They're doing a big thing. Very similar to DC's big thing coming up. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, TV it's not show. the end. He's going to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the beginning. It's, it's going to be yeah. like some people speculate the universe is, where it like shoots out as far as it can go, and then it all sucks back in and blows up again, and it's just the same universe reborn. It's kind of true. Ha hashtag everything changes. Everything changes. Mm -hmm. And everyone is Nightwing. Again. <laughs> yeah, everyone is Nightwing. Um Speaking of which, because we keep referencing that, uh, Grolix Nights was the last, uh, episode that we recorded last week. Last week, yeah. So you so, guys yeah. are getting hit with a, uh, you're getting doubled up. But yeah, Grolix Nights, we had Brandon from the Technology Geek podcast on. And so that was good fun. If you haven't checked that out, you should definitely check it out. Cause that's like a regular episode length. Oh yeah. And it's episode. madcap. It is. It's madcap. <laughs> I was listening to it and I'm like, I just went off on this ridiculous tangent that nobody understood. <laughs> oh, I love the uh, the medieval Photoshop. You just put them on a rack if you want to stretch them out. It's medieval photo yeah, Photoshop. Yeah. That was great. Just literally, literally stretched them out. That might have been before Melanie was on. Yeah, because even though we moved to Sundays where I'm more available, I'm still only here for half the freaking show. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Oh, well, that's because when you only, ha you know, like when it's one of your days off, then it becomes the catch-all for when things have to happen. Yeah. Speaking of swamp studies coming to the end, to an end, uh, next month will be the last swamp studies, and it will also be the podcast's one-year birthday anniversary. Woo! We need a cake. Woo! We need a cake. Okay. I made a cake for, uh, or did you make the cake? You made a cake. You were so excited. Don't you remember it was your first time making a cake? Yeah, I made a cake for the one-year EMG radio anniversary. For, the, for that video? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll make a video quite like that again for <laughs> Grolix. <laughs> we're going to have to Grolix that. Yeah. yeah. But I did make a cake for that, so we'll have to make something for this. Um, but, yeah, I ho we'll hopefully be putting together um, a special bonus episode, so you'll get you'll get – even more bonus Grolix next month. Um, I believe we're going to record a regular episode, like, as per usual. And then yeah. I'm trying to do the whole uh, bloopers and outtakes and... Fun stuff. Clip show type thing. Yeah, fun stuff. I was trying to think of a game we could play, but I can't think of any, like, simple games that we could play in audio form. That'd be fun. But... Uh, <gasps> I know what we could do. What? If we could all have internet access, that is. Uh, Cards Against Humanity. Cards, we can't do that on Grolix. Oh, you're right. Well, we no, can't do not... Cards Against yeah, Humanity. Grolix, the whole thing, yeah. yeah. All right. Because even though some were, okay. I want to use my expansion pack. I know, I want to use it too. Oh, yeah. But we can't. We're not playing that game okay. anymore. We're playing D&D. &D. Then, then after D&D. There is no after D&D. Oh. This campaign is going to last for oh. two oh, years. Oh, speaking of D&D, &D, uh, how'd it go? So my New Year's resolution of I want to play D&D &D has been 
well, I don't want to say fulfilled because that sounds like we're not going to do it again. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> it's come to fruition because we play D and D. Um, yeah, man, it was awesome. So we did kind of a, a warm up session. I'm the DM at which, you know, I've never really played. Like I've been around D and D sessions, D and D games, but I've never really played. Mm-hmm. Um, Melanie's never played. She played. We had a coworker of mine come over and he's never played. And the three of us kind of tried to f- hash it out a little bit. Um, sure. Mistakes were made. Uh, characters <laughs> might have been killed. <laughs> and then. Blood was, uh, first blood was shed. The first blood was shed. And then, uh, a sloppy attempt at, uh, re- resurrection was made. Um, it was not sloppy. It was. Resurrection should cost more than. 20 gold coins. <laughs> it's supposed to be like... <laughs> like, like the spell component for it is like a perfect diamond the size of your fist. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so get this, though. Melanie's really good at role-playing her characters because not only did her teammate die, he, she chose not to like try to save him because she was like, I just met this guy on the road. I don't know him. I'm going to go after the bad guy. And the character died. And then even, and then she goes and takes him down to an apothecary to resurrect him. Even though he offered to do it for only 20 gold, she was like, no, uh, maybe seven. I could do seven. <laughs> I, I tried five. I, we, 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 we I started with five. We got up to seven and I had to do some errands for him. Yeah. So. <laughs> do you realize how heavy this body was? <laughs> I had to haul him back from a dungeon. So she was in character to a fault. <laughs> she made it very difficult. Yeah, I'm sorry. Awesome. No, it was good. Well, like I said, mistakes were made. I don't think I had you guys apply your modifiers to like anything. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of mistakes were made. But then we got together for the first official session of the campaign and we had, uh, Jesse's brother Lou come over and he made up a character pretty quick because Lou knows what he's doing. And that session went really well, mm-hmm. I think. I think for the most part we did everything correct according to the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried not to railroad you guys too bad, but we still got to, like, uh, the beginning point and the end point that I wanted to get to and got little player hooks in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that went pretty well, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And I think uh, I think Ian and Lou... Not only did they get along, their characters got along really well. Ian and Lou are... <laughs> yeah. They're, Louis was one of the hardest people to DM in the history of my uh, gaming... Really? ...career. I don't know what you call it, but yeah. <laughs> in my storied history as a gamer, Louis is the story derailer. And you just let him <laughs> do it because it's ridiculous. One time he just, like, his character was a Wemmick, which is like... A centaur, if a centaur were actually a lion. <laughs> okay, okay. And his character decided that they were going to storm this church where a wedding was in session, and Lou's character decided that he was now officiating. It's one of the most, I mean, it's... it's it's scarred into my brain tissue now. Oh, man. But, but it, yeah, he's just like, he went through this really elaborate, like, this is what you have to do in order to get married. Like, this is the ceremony. And then <laughs> when they got, like, to the end, he just shook his head and he's like, 
you did it wrong. Who's going to make us all do it over again? I was like, Lou, we've done this for the last 20 minutes. No. Wow. That's fantastic. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, he was, he was, he was pretty well behaved for us mm-hmm. this first session. Mm-hmm. In the future, I'm just going to keep in mind the first session. I wanted it was a little bit more railroady um, to kind of just get the adventure started. Mm-hmm. But not only that, but to secure the adventure. Yeah, uh, we had to make sure that they weren't going to wander off without me, kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because I, be, Lou and Ian are. They're both kind of goofballs, so I figured they'd get along in real life, but their characters yeah. are pretty good, like, reflection of them, mm-hmm. so their characters get along really well in-game. Yeah. And right. and then there's Melanie, who's got, like, her character's like, oh, wait, I need to go do this and this and this, so we come up with a plot <laughs> device so that they can't all What's just my motivation out. for hanging out with you two? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We, we got a plot device. We literally... Mm-hmm. They're essentially literally handcuffed together. Yeah. <laughs> Which is good because otherwise they would have gone off wandering wandering in the freaking forest to find herbs to heal a wolf. That practically <laughs> killed me by the way. So I guess that's a good indication. Uh that's yeah. a good indication of how it's going to go because already uh those two have a wolf. Lou really wants it even though he he failed the ha- animal handling. So the first session Lou's got a wolf and I'm like um Okay, I need to figure out how to make this work with a character owning a wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's not a druid, of course. No, he's just a fighter. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I know. Yeah, I've been looking up rules the last couple of days, just like, oh, man. Okay, there's nothing that really covers his type of character having an animal, so I'll just have to uh, fudge them some things. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll stick around with Ian, because he's the one who did the spell on it in the first It'll place. stick around with Ian for 24 hours. And then it'll leave, because he's... Can I tell, I'm telling this part, too. Okay. So the wolf comes, and we're supposed to protect this lady, so he goes over and stabs it with a dagger, and then does a, a, a spell on it to make it his wolf, like, to make it like it. Well, he stabbed it with a dagger, and then he remembered, oh yeah, I have, I have animal friendship spell. <laughs> Retconning his own bad decisions. Yeah. Oh, man. But still, even so, a dagger... Really? Yeah, he's got a he's got a he's got a rapier, right? Yeah, he's got a bow. He's got all this stuff. So I'm just gonna walk over and stab him real quick and just stand there. <laughs> You're right up in a wolf's grill at knife point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what I pointed out. I was like, oh man. That's why I got a lost a chunk of my shoulder, probably. Yep. Well, that <laughs> you ran up and fell on your face. Yeah, well, I was running up because he's standing, he just stabbed him with a dagger. I was running up to try and save the situation. (laughs) And then I fell on my face. Oh, no good deed. No good deed goes unpunished. Even in D&D. Yep, yep. Um, So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And once again, Ian was like, at the end of the session, so, uh... What are you guys doing uh, this week, wh- Sunday? Are we? When are we going to play again? He was on it, so he's into yeah. it. He he enjoyed it quite a bit, and I was like, Sunday we can't do, but so we're going to play again this week. But yeah, so anyway, so we played D anD D, and it was pretty awesome. And I was really worried after that first like warm up session. I was like, oh, I'm not good at this. But then the second one was a lot of fun, and the first one was fun too. But the second one just went a lot better. So yeah, you're lucky you have me. You were very helpful. <laughs> I well, know you I were was. because I could be like, okay, hey, Melanie, 
I don't want to tell your character what to do, but it would be really helpful if your character had a meeting to be at, mm-hmm. at towards the end of the session, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. She helped me railroad it a little bit. I'm not going to do that from now on, but like I said, the first one, I was really having a hard time figuring out how to introduce character hooks and plot hooks and yeah, stuff like that. So Yeah, because if, if it weren't for those darn bracelets... I wouldn't hang out with those guys. That one guy took my lady from me. I mean, so yeah, <laughs> we we had uh we had uh her character and Ian's character were trying to woo this lady, so we had them rolling uh charisma checks against each other. That was good oh. fun. And is he a sorcerer? No, Ian is a bard. Oh, that still charisma is going to be his major. Uh, yeah. Yep. His major attribute. Actually, we're about even. I just think I have evil dice because you know how many we've only played twice, and I've rolled like eight ones. You did roll quite a few ones. Actually, <laughs> it's freaking ridiculous. That first fight, I don't understand. Okay, I didn't have people applying their modifiers, but I also didn't have the enemies using their modifiers, mm-hmm. and it was essentially everybody was just swinging at each other and missing for like twenty minutes. Nobody could hit anything. <laughs> but. Okay, anyway. That's D&D talk. Woo! <laughs> yeah! yeah. <coughs> All the things. All of them. Every bit of them. Yep. <laughs> anything? You guys got anything before we wrap this up? Um, Hopefully, by the next time we record, I will have a book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you want to talk about that real quick? There's not a whole lot to tell other than I have collected... You know, I've been doing Tank Monkey... Uh, as a webcomic for quite a while, and uh, so I've collected about two volumes worth of material, and I'm going to be releasing my first volume of material here. Uh, it'll definitely be available uh, by March, and probably it'll be available mid-February, because the process is going pretty quickly. So uh, this first book will be all of the story-related material. My uh, webcomic is kind of hard to describe because it's both storyline and not even remotely storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like one-offs and, and what you'd, you'd kind of think of for webcomics, which is just kind of, you know, a one-off strip here and there. And then I also have like a, a couple little storylines. So the first book is all the storyline specific stuff. Nice. That's exciting. Wait, so yeah. you're coming out with a book and there's no Kickstarter for us to pimp? No, no, no. I'm I'm going to uh I'm gonna eat eat that, yeah. <laughs> but you know, like part of that is I don't have anywhere to store a thousand books if oh, I Oh yeah, that's a good point. If I was gonna kickstart it, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm I'm better off buying a couple at a time. So are I'm you going, I'm sorry. I was going to say, oh, I'm... <laughs> you say, you say, you say the thing. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going more uh, print on demand, but okay. uh, like I went, uh, I got uh, a block of ISBN numbers for Christmas two years ago and I finally get to use them. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's, it's good because that's not, you know, that's a nice little chunk of change. It was a, a very generous gift for Christmas, and uh, yeah. I feel, starting to feel bad. I was like, I haven't done anything with these. I have ten numbers, and I've done not one book with them. So that's that's coming out. Awesome. I'm going to use one of ten numbers. 
That's pretty sweet, though. That's, that's a crazy gift. That's a great idea. No, though. it is an incredible gift. And uh, there is enough content already for a second volume, so uh, I won't have to wait as long for the second book. I guess part of it was I wanted to finish the storyline I was on, so the last like two months I've really been focused on trying to end it and uh, finally did. And so I knew I wanted that story in the book, and it's in the book. Awesome. I feel bad because it's like, uh, what was it? I was looking at it, and and I think I invented Tank Monkey five years ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, why did it take me five years to put out my first book? I can't believe I didn't think to bring that up, but, yeah. It's still in the process. Hopefully it will be done by the next episode. I uh, can't say for fact, but if it is, I will definitely be uh, reiterating it is. His book is available, and I will have the links in the show notes. So wherever you're listening to this, there will be a link to where you can get Jesse's book, Tank Monkey Volume 1. No monkey business, but check the show notes or the description. The link is there. Check it out. There will be, uh, there will be, it'll be available on Amazon, uh, but it'll be most affordable through me. Because yes. I feel like that's that's the way it should be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, you get the most discount through me, and I will personalize it, you know, at no additional cost. So. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, get it from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So we're gonna assign the listeners a pull list. Oh yeah, required yeah, yeah. read. Mm -hmm. And and hey, you know what? It's free. Like all the content that's oh, well, almost all the content that's in the book is already available online for free. But the I mean, if you're paying for the book, I feel like you deserve a little bit of extra content, some exclusive commentary, some. Uh, I've done a little bit of formatting for print so that it reads better because you know, like in the comic, in between updates, you can kind of just make a jump. You know, it's like a a scene change, but mm -hmm. when you read it. You know, you kind of got to go ahead and remind them, like, meanwhile, over here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, you sent me an early, I'm assuming you've probably worked on it a little bit since then, but you sent me an early uh, kind of PDF proof of yeah, it, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's, it's changed. Uh, there's been quite a few mm -hmm. revisions probably since then, but uh, I think most of the story formatting was already done at that point, so... It, yeah, it looks good and it flows. It flows well. I had to cut a few. There was, you know, a handful of strips that just didn't work, so they kind of hit the the cutting room floor. But all of those are still available online. We read what you tell us to, but first you have to exercise your voice. Cast your vote on GrawlixPodcast.com and tell us what poll list pick we're reading next. Then listen to the next episode to hear what we thought of your recommendation. Don't see your favorite comic on the list. That's okay. You can write it in. If your candidate isn't chosen, just wait. It may be the next time. Your vote stays in place until it wins. It's fun. It's interactive. It's educational. It's true democracy in action. This is Randy. You sure do got a pretty Grawlix. This is Melanie. And the Grawlix abides. This is Jesse. Don't think. Feel. It's like a finger pointing away at the moon. Do not concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly Grawlix.
Thank you for listening to Grawlix Podcast. Grawlix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrawlixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Podcast and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Podcast. Randy's got to shake the mouse. Oh! <laughs> oh, I guess he's got to shake something else. Syndrome. He's got to go shake something else, too, so it'll be a minute. <laughs> oh! <laughs> uh, it wasn't weird. That's, that's a perfectly acceptable comment. <laughs> that's normal. That's life. In the city. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, uh, Ra- Randy gets shy about certain things, you know. <laughs> this is totally going in the after credits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>